I was 19 years old. And um, life up to that point was both good and bad, I guess, typical of uh, most people. But uh, my mother was a highly educated person, a great mom. Uh, she decided to give up a medical technician career to raise children. And uh, I being the, the last or the third child, uh, she developed uh, some serious uh, back issues and uh, undiagnosed uh, scoliosis of the spine, extra vertebrae, multiple herniated discs with uh, compressions and nerve, nerve uh, compressions. So she started taking prescription medicine as the doctors prescribed and uh, soon became addicted. So from my age of zero, uh, I think she started about then, right after my birth. So I don't think there was any drugs or alcohol involved then. She became addicted to the prescription drugs and then therefore later alcohol. So for my first 19 years up to answering the question was filled with uh, a split broken family, dysfunctional family, if you will. We, we lived in two different houses most of the time. Dad was a good father. He just didn't have the answers to uh, the alcoholism. And mom was a good mom until late evening, you know, when the intoxication started. So I had prayed multiple years, maybe seven or eight, possibly 10, for the Lord to intervene and help in this situation. And uh, it looked to be hopeless. Uh, mom looked to be near death. She wasn't her beautiful self. She was withdrawn, you know, kind of sunken in and uh, it couldn't, uh, was not uh, functional whatsoever after 5 p.m. So that was my life up until then. Other than that, uh, it was a good life. And then, and then the, uh, the, the event happened. And what was the event? I was uh, buying and selling uh, motorcycles and cars as a hobby. I kind of liked antique cars. Dad supported the household financially. We needed a little bit more money uh, in addition. So I tried to buy and sell cars as I was finishing up high school. I did finish up high school with the help of a school counselor that understood my, our uh, family issues. A very kind lady, and I have to I owe her a debt of gratitude. And so all this kind of builds up as uh, puzzle pieces to a life story or a tapestry, if you will. And so I didn't know it at the time that this was all building up to this, uh, I think, God's plan. So as I was 19, I had a buyer for a motorcycle, and I thought, I'd like to go ride the motorcycle one, one last time before I sell it. So our home uh, in uh, Midwest United States, for the people that are outside the United States watching, um, was adjacent to some beautiful wooded hills. So I decided to take a 45 minute drive or ride out into the woods. And upon my return, we had an extremely long driveway. It was kind of a country setting and it sits way back. I'm gonna guess it was less than half a mile long extremely fast motorcycle and I'm 19 years old without a whole lot of sense. So, so I decided it not being illegal on our private property, I thought I'd just go as fast as I wanted to. It's kind of a double wide uh, paved driveway and it goes around over a hill and down into a valley and then back up to another hill and then it eventually swings around to the house. So being not the brightest person with a fast motorcycle, I probably got it up to a hundred miles an hour on the driveway, and that sounds funny, but the driveway was nearly half a mile long. So it's called, let's call it a road or a street, but it's a private drive. So I thought there's there's no traffic and uh, it wasn't illegal. So I went ahead and did it. And it, in those days, wearing a helmet was optional and I decided not to. In fact, it was hot summer day like it is today. And I was just enjoying the uh, wind in my hair, you know, and, and the sun on my face. So I go around and I'm laying the motorcycle down in kind of a racing mode to go around this curve. And so even being uh, more adventurous, I guess, is a kinder way to put it, I decided to go and slide the motorcycle sideways around this curve. It's kind of a slick pavement that's been seal coated before. So it's it almost a slick surface. So I could do a little slide. It was approaching a hill. And I thought, when I get to the top of that hill, I'm going to ride a wheelie, you know, just go as fast as I can down towards the house, which is, would be approaching after that. But I couldn't see it. So all these trees were flying by, you know, squishing through uh, my peripheral uh, vision, you know, and the, the sight of, or the sound of the trees just going by was, was fascinating. And I, I couldn't get enough. It was an adrenaline rush. And uh, I've said before, a friend of mine gave me a t-shirt, which was playing in my mind, silly thing at hundred miles an hour, but the t-shirt said faster and faster until the thrill of speed overcomes the fear of death. I thought, yes, this is fun. 
So I was going as fast as I could, get ready to get to the top of the hill, blind hill, and pulling the front wheel up. And all of a sudden, I saw a big blue Chevrolet pickup truck coming at me head on. And I thought to myself, Lord, this is it. This, this is the way I'm going to die. This, this will be the end of me. There's no way I'm going to stop this motorcycle at that speed on this surface, you know, that was rather slick and this truck coming at me. So I had zero options, basically, except that the Lord always provides an option. Um, to my right, I was not able to lean the motorcycle over quick enough to go that way. And it was a huge drop off into a lake. And to my left was a smaller drop off, which was kind of a ravine that would drain into the lake. And so I thought, I'm going to try to swing it left, you know, throw my body weight over and throw the motorcycle into a steering left position and go off into the woods. I don't know, but hitting the trees was not a good option, but a lot better than an oncoming pickup truck. So as I started to make that turn towards the left, the driver of the pickup truck, which I thought was my brother-in-law at that point, leaving the house. So it could have only been family that was coming that way. Otherwise, there was no traffic on this private drive. So the chances of me having a car come on head on was, was slim to none. So I realized it was my brother-in-law, but he at the same time decided to turn towards the ditch to avoid hitting me. So now we're both in line on the, on the road. I tried to avoid it. He tried to avoid it. Now we're both in line for a head on collision again. So I've tried to slow down, brakes squealing, front end wobbling. I was losing control of this bike. And I can't say I was fearful. I just thought this was it. And did time so kind point, of slow down? It did. It did. And I, I want to say at this point, uh, not 100% of this is, is uh, clear to me. And I think some of it is intentional for the Lord uh, not to be clear to me. But this was where I had this fast forward of my life. I could see birth. I could see grade school. I could see myself as a young boy growing up. I could see different things. I mean, split second like that kind of a black and white rewind of my life. So about that point, I thought the only chance I have now is to get on the pegs of the bike, push up, push with my hands, and try to jump over the truck with my body, the motorcycle going out of control into the truck. So I thought I could at least save my body because my face was level to the pickup truck's hood. So I was definitely going to get smashed. It was an old 1960 three, four, five model Chevrolet truck with a heavier, thick steel. And I was not going to win on the motorcycle. So upon impact, I did jump. I thought, I'm going. And so as I was going, I was looking down at the wreck. The motorcycle was just being crumbled into the front end of that pickup truck. The noise was horrendous. It was loud. I feel like, and I don't know if this is seconds later or then, that the birds that were singing, and don't ask me how I heard birds singing with the motorcycle screaming and all this. I think it might be. I know how. Okay, thank you. I think we both know. We're both shaking our head. Yes, another God moment. You know, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll not uh, speed up the story, but um, the birds stopped singing. And so I looked down and I was flying over the truck, over the hood. And at that point, I did not know this. I hit my head on the top of the pickup truck. So I did smash into the truck. It was just at a higher level above the windshield frame, you know, where there was a thick brow on this old Chevrolet truck. So it was actually almost a, a pointed edge. It wasn't quite pointed, but it was a thin gutter like a water gutter. So I hit that apparently, not knowing. And at that point, I don't remember the accident. I remember the out-of-body experience because at that point, I think I was done. And I like to describe it as God and being a Christian, when I say God and uh, I may be talking about the Holy Spirit and I may be talking about Jesus Christ as son. So, uh, and, and to me, it's, it's, it's the same. But God caught me. Something caught me. And I'm certain it was God caught me. Before I landed, that's difficult to explain again because one's spiritual and one's physical. But then the people driving the truck later told me I did several somersaults over the top of the pickup truck behind them. They could see me in the rear view mirror flying backwards. Another truck length or two behind them 
So I flew a very long distance, let's call it three, four uh, car lengths, and landed on my back. And they saw this, and it was just a body to them. To me, that didn't happen. To me, I was caught. So while my body was thrown onto the ground, my soul was captured and embraced by our Father in heaven. And by the way, I'd like to uh, acknowledge that in, in the United States, this is Father's Day weekend. And thank you again. There's no better way to honor our yes. Father, our Lord and Savior, than yes. on this weekend. That's so right. Thank you, thank you for your time and your blessed heart. And so upon landing, my spirit, again, my soul, had experiences my body did not. My body was lying there lifeless. I, in my, in my body, in my vessel, was looking up towards the heavens. And it was a bright light, but it wasn't all white. I saw sky and I saw whiteness. And I just felt the love that was, was embracing me at this point and surrounding me. It, it was a, indeed a, a hedge of protection. So at that point, my soul, sat up on the pavement. I didn't quite have a view of the two passengers in the truck at this point, but my soul sat up. I stood up at that point on the pavement, really not touching the pavement, and that's another odd thing, but my spirit had, had been lifted. And so I don't wanna use the word levitate, it sounds strange, but my spirit had allowed uh, me to turn around and look at my body. Go ahead. Hover is the word. Okay. Thank you for that word. I appreciate that. And uh, so I turned around and I looked at my vessel of the body as myself in a soul form. And I thought, what just happened? Oh my goodness. You know, and I, I just uh, I wasn't fearful, but I just thought, what a way to go. You know, and uh, I wasn't done living. You know, these thoughts came into my mind. And my biggest thought was, my mother suffering from addiction. And she was in this house that I couldn't quite see, but it was a little distance down the road. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this to her. Because my sister had gone to be with her fiance at that point. And actually they were coming back. And so to, uh, to add to the story that I didn't know at the time, I realized it was my brother-in-law's pickup truck. What I did not realize it was my sister driving it. He was, not in a position to drive. It was his grandfather's funeral. You know, he said, here, you drive. So it was actually my sister. And we used to call him a, well, a family nickname of Bonehead. So in my mind, I was thinking Bonehead has just killed me. And I didn't, didn't really think that. I thought I've just killed myself. You know, so I didn't have that uh, feeling. But I did feel tremendous guilt for my sister driving that truck, feeling like you know, she had killed me and for what my mother was going to see. So about that time, I went from just looking at my body to rising to the tree level. I said, Lord, I can't leave. And I was at the tree level looking at the scene and I could see my sister and my brother-in-law then looking at my body. And uh, uh, forgive me. It's, it's, it's emotional today. You know, and it's uh, three decades later. And it's not emotional in fear, it's, uh, it's emotional in uh, the tear, the joys of tear or tears of joy is what I meant to say. Of the miracle. And gratitude to the Lord, yeah. So so my sadness in this, tearing up on this moment is is uh, my thanks to the Lord. And I feel the Holy Spirit present right now. So I, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So as I was at the tree level, I could see the house. And that was a, a gift of God for me to see. It wasn't any natural experience I could do on my own, you know, but in my spirit, I could see the house. And I saw my sister run quite a distance to the house because their truck was steaming. The radiator might have been punctured or something happened to it, you know. So they left the truck there and the motorcycle there and my body there. My brother-in-law was there yelling and uh, pounding on my legs at that point. My nickname back then, fitting uh, for people that know the... Uh, TV show, the Beverly Hillbillies, but they called me Bodine was my nickname. And it wasn't a compliment, by the way. It was meant to be kind of silly, uh, country hillbilly type. I could hear him yelling. The only reason I mentioned that is he was yelling, Bodine, Bodine. 
he's pounding on my legs and I could see him, you know, just frantic. Just, no, God, no. He's young. And so still watching my sister run to the house. She goes in the house and I'm able to see all this. Of course, there's a roof on the house. There are skylights, but that had nothing to do with my vision. Uh, Pam ran through the house, a rather large house at the time. Found my mom in the kitchen. She was a great cook. And my sister ran up to her frantic and crying and uh, couldn't really get the words out because, you know, she was she was in shock. And my mom kept saying, Pam, what's wrong? What's wrong? And Pam said, I, crying again, shoulders bouncing because she couldn't talk, have killed Jeff. And she, my mother was sober. This was early morning. And my buyer was coming afternoon. So we had a sober mom. Not the night before, but we had a halfway sober mom right, right then. She just yelled, oh, Pam, what? And Pam repeated it again. She couldn't really repeat it. So she, I saw her go like this. Come on. Come on, mom. Follow me. Follow me. And mom with a bad back and everything ran out the door, ran around the driveway up the hill to find me out in the woods. And I could see, I could see my mother and my brother-in-law and my sister looking at my body. And at that time, the good Lord turned me around and started forwarding me to heaven. And so I saw the sky, I saw the sun, I saw the stars, I saw everything I could in a fast forward motion. And it might have taken, in our time, and I know you understand this, but maybe for viewers that don't, uh, there isn't a time, a clock, you know, on God's time. So I was, I went from time on earth to not having yes. time. So this, thank you. I can see you nodding your head. So this experience probably took in our time three or four seconds until I was, people use the phrase the gates of heaven. I didn't see any gates of heaven, but I, I felt that I was entering heaven. Again, just whiteness and, and no gates, no gold streets, uh, nothing like that. Some people I, I understand see that, but I, I did not. I just saw white. And as I was there, I, Felt like I had an escort again the entire time. The Holy Spirit, God, who caught me, was by my side the entire time. And I sort of felt like I had an escort going up with me. We didn't really talk, but I, I knew that this escort knew everything about me, so there wasn't any reason to talk. Thoughts didn't come out verbally, it was just known. And so this uh, spirit knew. And so I was entering up there and I I said to the, I'm going to call it God again. I said to God, I said, God, I, I can't leave my mother devastated like this. And he said to me at this point, and I'm going to paraphrase. I have written it, uh, but I'm not reading what I've written. He said, um, time will heal all wounds. And that always bothered me because a lot of things haven't been healed in time. <laughs> but he went on. It was kind of a comment not intended for here on earth, but he intended in, intended for eternal heaven. And he said, sorrows will turn to joy in the house of the Lord. So I got it. Time, not here. Time, um, all things will be healed with time. And that time is in eternal heaven. So once we are there, those pains evaporate, they're gone. Now, that doesn't diminish mom's pain, but once she rises to heaven, her pain will also be gone. So that is uh, time to heal all wounds, and it's on his time, not our earthly time. So I understood that fully at that point. So I said to myself and to him, all of us, uh, back and forth, because again, my soul was in his hands. I was you know, being cradled and held by him. So I go past some groups of people. I see a group of people over here. I see another group of people over here. We're all in, in the, not in street clothes, not in bodies as we see them defined today with details, just kind of a general likeness of a body in a, in a white image. So it wasn't that I could look at Peggy and see, oh, this is Peggy. I, I can recognize her eyes, her hair, her face. I recognize Peggy by her soul. So it wasn't her, her physical uh, appearance to me i knew who that soul was so i recognized some souls i couldn't tell you who they were because i think even if i knew at the time of my outer body experience i'm not allowed to know 
you know, because I was on a return trip. So I saw people, and I actually remember one saying, I know him. You know, another one was kind of looking, and it really didn't, didn't concern them. They weren't like shocked, oh, I can't believe you're here. What happened? You know, again, all pain was gone. So everything was normal, and uh, everybody was, as, was at ease and was in total uh, bliss and calm. So I was escorted to, and I, I sort of likened it to a, a large hotel that has a lobby. And you enter a big door. So I've already entered the big door for the gates, and I'm in this huge lobby. And I recognize, or I realize that there's something, a big building behind it or a big area behind it. So I think I was in the lobby to heaven, if you will. And I don't know how to explain that. I don't know if that's even. Uh, that's where I was too. Okay. Thank you so much. Entrance. Okay, so I, this entrance is good, and I call it the lobby, but this is where there was a clouded veil, and I knew God was here, so he met me in the lobby, and my guide was to my right, God was in front of me, and there was an entity to his right, all clouded veil. What did it look and like? It was clouded white. Like, like you'd be driving in a, a white fog, you know, in the early morning, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a, a fog would irritate us because we can't see it, see through it when we're driving. This was all comforting, kind of like closing your eyelids and going to sleep. I was just, I was at ease, but it, it was a white light. It wasn't blinding. It was a, uh, a warm light, like lights I have on here for this camera or, or irritating my eyes. This did not irritate my eyes. How so much of guy, them, how much of them did you see? Uh, just an arm, just an arm. So I'll, I'll get to that in a, in a second. Okay. But the guide sort of went behind the clouded veil that I never did see. I just felt, okay. and uh, I could hear murmuring, talking. Uh-huh. They were going like, uh-huh, like that. So there was a discussion, and I thought, sort of like being in front of a court. Thankfully, I've never been arrested for anything bad. I'm talking no. about other issues no. in business. You, but I felt that too. Like I was in front, in front of a panel of people. Mine was just like faint outlines in a bright white light. But I felt yeah. God in the center. And I felt it was a judgment. Yes. Like my thoughts complaint department. Now I got somebody to complain to and say, I want to go back. <laughs> you know what? That, I thought, that was I me. Mine was not a, that's, that's <laughs> interesting. It's so close to mine. But uh, I thought that mine was not a judgment. I don't feel like I was being judged at all. I felt like I was in front of a counselor and the counselor, and I had had this experience with my school, high school counselor to help me with mom's issue. And she was such a blessing and a part of the story integral beforehand. And so it leads up uh, to this and it all becomes that one big tapestry or all the puzzle pieces put together. But um, I felt like, oh, like a doctor might be talking to a nurse, you know, what's the best way we could treat this person? Yes. And so it was, it was it was a helpful thing that was going on. So I did not have to say a thing. It was known, simply known. I thought, should I? And I thought, no, he knows. <laughs> it's God. He knows. He knows every hair in my head. Yeah. Left a few of my trash thing. And I think he knows that too. And so uh, from the right-hand side of what I felt was God, comes this arm out of the cloud. And the arm touches me on my chest with three fingers extended. And at this point, I'm thinking, this is the image of Jesus Christ's arm. You know, because God is not uh, for me to see at this point, you know, and Jesus was here to be seen. And I felt this was his arm. So the arm came out and gave me the most loving, warm touch on my chest. And it was sort of like a reset button. And it just gently said, okay, you can go back. And that's not what he said, but that's what I felt. And so I started to return. And so my, my request was granted to go back and help my mother. And so at this point, it was a fast forward return. There wasn't any sightseeing of stars, clouds, all that kind of stuff. I was back, I was back in my body. I was thankful to God. Well, on the way back, I, I, I do recall this, uh, but I was already back. Um, as I returned to my vessel, my body, I felt dead. My soul was alive. I thought I am in a dead body didn't say this this is what i felt and i thought okay i'm laying here i can i can see without my with my eyes closed i can see my brother-in-law i can see my sister i can see my mother 
I can't talk. I can't breathe. I can't see. I can't do anything. Sort of a desperate moment for me. Again, I wasn't afraid because God had done this. And so in my prayer to God, I said, dear Lord, is sort of like the pesky kid, you know, pulling on the shirt sleeve of a, of a parent saying, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. So I felt like I was nagging him. I said, God, if you don't mind, I'm back. Thank you for honoring that request. I love you and I want to do your will, Lord. I'm here to serve. Having said this, I will serve in this vessel however I can. But if I could have my mobility restored, I may be able to serve better. And I wasn't requesting it. I was just trying to understand it. I wasn't going to demand anything of him. I was so grateful, period. So had he left me in that comatose-type state, I would have been blessed. What I could have done, I have no idea. So at about that point, I felt this surrounding the warm wind, if you will, the Holy Spirit, sort of like your arm falls asleep, you know, in, in bed, and then you move it, and you can feel the blood coming back in. From my head down to my toe, I felt this feeling of being restored. Thank you, Lord. I did that too. Thank you. I did. I was deaf in my left ear from birth, and I didn't test my hearing at this point. That was the least of my concerns, but I remained deaf in that left ear. So he didn't restore me to make me better. He restored me to where I was, and so I'm so thankful. So it took me a while. I guess I started talking. I could hear my brother-in-law and my sister, my mom, saying, he's moving. You know, he, he's alive, and I couldn't open my eyes for some reason for a while. And I started to get up. I started to get up from the, physically this time in my vessel and my soul intact, all in one unit, not separated. And I said, so lay down, Bodie, lay down, lay down. You've been in a horrible accident. I thought, I almost wanted to laugh, but it wasn't funny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> been there and done that. You know, got the teacher to prove it. <laughs> so, but uh, so I was insistent. I may have even said a bad word at that point, you know, because I was angry at myself and of course that that word was certainly not meant for the lord but it was a determination i'm going to get up from this wreck you know i'm, I'm going to get up leave me alone you know so i was a little bit a little bit uh, not combative but insistent and persistent i guess is a better word so they they started to help me up at that point they grabbed my arms and they helped me up and i stood and got all the feeling back and was able to stand and then I was moving around, shaking my head, yes, and they were too. And all of a sudden it was, you know, there wasn't a, a band there, but it seemed like a party atmosphere, you know, where we were all celebrating because, oh my God, thank you, he's alive. You know, so we all just sort of knew what was going on. And they, somebody, I don't remember which one said, we need to take you to the hospital because there could be an internal bleeding. You hit your head on that truck. You know, they saw it, they saw me laying there and it was, few minutes whatever that was in, in earthly time and so I really didn't want to go I thought I'm fine and I know that he made me fine but I was I wasn't in a position to explain that story to them you know on the crash scene you know I was just trying to sit in myself and that you being there it takes a while to uh, to comprehend it's but okay let's go so I think one of them didn't go and it seemed like my mom was driving my brother-in-law maybe tried to do the funeral thing and my sister went. So we were driving to the nearby town, 15, 20 minutes away to the uh, hospital. And I think it, I'm fairly certain it was mom that was driving because I was a little bit concerned of sobriety, but it was again, early mid morning. So she was cutting through gas stations and trying to hurry and had her flasher lights on. And we get to the hospital and they rushed me into the emergency room, my, my sister and my mother. And the uh, nurse there at the desk was, how can I help you? You know, so they said he was in a horrible motorcycle accident, head on into a pickup truck and he hit his head and he was laying there lifeless on the ground. So they told this desk nurse uh, this story. And there was, there was other people I felt sorry for them. They were in the emergency room, had an arm kind of bloodied up and some other things. I thought 
these people are hurt and I'm getting all the attention. <laughs> so the, uh, the nurse just, and I guess, again, she feared internal bleeding that we couldn't see. So she did have a, a legitimate concern. So she took me into the emergency room immediately, no waiting, no signing anything. And the doctor started looking at what happened. It's a head on collision pickup truck, wasn't wearing a helmet, hit his head, you know, laid there uh, lifeless on the ground. So the doctor's checking things you know, real quick and looking for bleeding in the ears and eyes and nose and asking me questions he didn't know the answers to, but what's my name, my birth date, you know, those kind of things, just to see if I was able to answer questions. And I was. So he looked me over again a couple more times and looked at my head. He says, no, they said you hit your head. And I said, yeah, they're saying I hit it right here. He said, so he looked again, felt things. And he said, give me a minute. I'm going to go talk to your family. And so he went out of the room and I, I sat there with this presence of the Holy Spirit still with me. And I was pondering, Lord, thank you again. And thinking, you know, there, there has to be a reason he, he, why he allowed me to return. And so I was trying to think of the purpose then. And I've heard people tell stories and I'm glad they have. I feel a little bit sorry for young kids that have this experience. The parents get really excited because it is a fabulous miracle. But then the story of the child goes into the story of the, the parents. And then I'm not so sure that's fair to the child, you know, to, to, uh, to get on. And I know your favorite song because I saw your website the other day, go tell it on the mountain. <laughs> and so uh, I felt like I could, but I didn't feel like I should go tell it on the mountain. I could have climbed and shouted, Hey, look at me, look what happened. You know, and I would have been very proud and happy and thankful and grateful. But I had a feeling then as a 19 year old, that it wasn't at all about me and that it was to be all about thee, about him. And so that wasn't going to come right away. And so you asked me the question, when did this happen? That was when I was 19, I'm 59 now wrote a book. I, I can't write. I can't even turn these computers on without you calling and helping me. So thank you for that again. But I wrote with two fingers, 80 some thousand words. And it's all to uh, glorify the Lord and to help people with addiction. So I think that little small puzzle piece was such. So anyway, the doctor comes back in while I'm doing all this thinking and meditating and, and being thankful to the Lord. And I was sitting on the doctor's exam table by myself with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, physically, there was nobody else there. And uh, sitting on the table, had the, the crinkly white paper, you know, just waiting there. It was, it was silent. And the doctor comes back in with his hands kind of folded in front of him, looks at me with uh, eyes of compassion. And so I, I knew at that point, he knew, he understood. So he comes up to me and he puts a hand on each one of my knees and we're eye to eye face maybe a foot away from each other. He said, uh, do you believe in miracles? And I knew at that point, I didn't really have to explain anything. He, he already knew. I said, yes, I do. He said, so you believe in God? I said, absolutely. I believe in God. He said, it's my medical and personal opinion. And I think he felt not like he shouldn't say it, but hey, I'm going to say it, even though some people don't want to hear it. It's my personal and professional opinion that you were saved by God for some reason. He said, do you believe that you were saved by God? And I just smiled at that point with another tear coming down my eye and said, yes. Yes. And so he was doing the same and just patting me on the leg. And he said, uh, seeing no further reason to keep you here, I'll let you go on your journey. And he used the word journey. And I thought, okay, this guy's a representative. You know of God and he knows confirmation that, yeah that this was this was no accident it was uh it was uh, no accident at all and he he realized that and so he just let me go and thankfully he didn't send me a bill for the ER visit you know, because I hadn't sold the motorcycle it was a complete wreck at that point <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I think called the buyer and what happened he goes that's amazing you know so he was so glad I was okay he didn't care you know so the motorcycle was junk it was trash at that point so we we rode back in the car and uh fairly quiet we had air conditioning in the car but i remember the windows being a little bit cracked down the wind blowing and 20 minute ride the three of us said very little because we all knew there, there wasn't any talk you know needed at that point 
And Peggy, what I'm so thankful for, that was amazing. That was a miracle. That's God and God's work. But a week later, a week later, I'm going to say a week, maybe 10 days, somewhere in that range. The Holy Spirit led me in an intervention. I didn't know what the word meant. Remember, I was just silly blonde from a southern state. And this was 40 years ago. Yes. And uh, so uh, at that point, it was about a week or 10 days later, I felt er the encouraged, nudge is a better way to put it, encouraged or nudged to contact my school counselor that was part of this story beforehand. because she I call that lead. Yes, yes, I was led or nudged. I like lead better. So I was led to uh, invite her to the house. And she talked to mom. And uh, she asked mom, she said, so uh, what do you know about Jeff's grades? And mom says, well, I think he's a good student. He's done very well. You know, I help, I help him on occasion. And she wasn't she wasn't misleading. She was trying to say what she knew and yes that is what she knew because i i hid everything and so the counselor told her she said well i wanted to bring you a copy and this is one she made up you know for me and mom and for this situation so it wasn't one of record i have another one of record that's i should be careful what i say so i don't throw her under the bus literally (laughs) figuratively but uh, she was a sweetheart and she's an angel she she helped me but she showed mom uh, the report card and she says what are all these hps and the school counselor explained, that stands for honorary passing. And she said, because your son deserves to pass, but he had some difficulties here at home. And so they went in, we went into a long conversation. A day later, I invited a minister over, another day after that, a doctor. A fourth day, her mother, my grandmother, who has known this and grieved severely, you know, for all my life and prayed to God, you know, something would help. Mom decided at that point to become clean and sober and live the remaining three and a half decades of her life honoring our Lord. And so awesome. that was a real miracle. You know, the motorcycle crash was 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 uh, interesting, but the real miracle was the purpose and why you sent me back. And so I've been a lifetime trying to figure out more of the purpose. And so I was so thankful for the people before the accident, which is no accident, the uh, the miracle of and the continuation of the Lord working in my life since then. And so no better gift uh, than mom being sober. And she she and I you know, tried to work on a project together recently before she went to go be with the Lord. So uh, to me, that was a, that was a, a, even more amazing what happened after the return did you feel changed i did not feel changed i felt very close to the lord you know beforehand prayed since a young child wondered for many years even almost a decade why he didn't answer my prayers but never lost faith i just thought there's a reason i don't understand it i don't understand why my wonderful mom you know is not okay so I didn't feel changed. I guess I felt uh, like confirmed at that point and not meaning in a religious manner. Yeah, but I confirmation of my faith was, was finally uh, fulfilled. So not changed, just, uh, just blessed at that point. How about you? Did you feel changed after yours? No. Okay. No, I had to grieve. Well, when I first come back in the wheelchair, I still had my internal bleeding that my doctor wasn't seeing. And he didn't see it till the next morning. And I refused to go home because I just died and was in heaven. I knew something was wrong. And he told me, told me I was fine. I couldn't tell him I just died and went to heaven. This was 1986. You yeah. know, like you couldn't probably utter those words in that moment in the emergency room. I just died and went I, to heaven. You just can't. Yeah. And... um now, today, would we, you know, stop and think, would we today with everything, with the knowledge we have now and, you know, the growth we've had come to process it and realize it. I had an out-of-body experience last winter when I was sick, six, sick. And I told my yeah. husband right away, but I was really shy about talking about it on Facebook. 
because I thought people's not going to believe me because I already had in two NDEs. I've already had all these experiences. They're going to think, oh, she just wants to add some more on. And so I struggled with, and here in 2021, having the courage to come out. It was just tiny little OBE. There was nothing to it, you know. But it was just, I passed out, hit the floor, and I was in, like in the wall. Like I was just outside my body. It was all black. But there was a whole crowd of people there. And it was, I could hear their voices. And I could, like in my imagination, see them because I was in blackness. But yet it was like there was these heights of people and height, their voices. And, and I kept saying, what? What are you saying? What? And then I realized I had to focus more on my husband that was saying, baby, baby, was shaking me, trying to get me to come too, more than the other side. It's like, you better make your choice right now. You going to go on and listen to them? Or are you going to go back? You need to listen to him if you're going back. It was just a tiny little blip, you know, but I, I was, and I have changed from that because I can process it right now. You know, before it was like, what the hell was that? I can't think about that right now. I've got to convince my doctor that I can't go home because something is wrong. He's telling me you're fine. Well, they found out the next morning I had internal bleeding, you know, fill my entire abdominal cavity, clear to my chest, had a rush of into surgeries, biggest tool pregs they ever saw, you know, all that. And then even after that, then I had the grieving while well, I was in the hospital for surgery, you know, for major surgery for a week and then come home and I'm grieving the loss of my twins. I lost my twins in that. And so there's other things at 25 years old and probably like you were at 19 that you can't put that anywhere. And there was no word near death experience. I thought it never happened to anybody before. And it was a few months before I told my husband at the time um, what happened. And that came about because Oprah Winfrey, she was new at the time and she had some weird looking people talking about they died, come back like, oh, what idiots, you know, they're lying. And I took yeah. a step back and I'm like, oh, wait, it was real. It was real. What that happened that I remembered as soon as I come back, because you talked about feeling your body when you come back. I went through that. As soon as I got back in the wheelchair for being in heaven, um, something like inner told me and knowing once you feel your feet, you're all the way back. Because I felt it like this warmth come down my head, down my body. I felt my hands now on the hand rest because when I passed out, when I died, I had noticed I'd lost contact with my hands on the armrest. I couldn't pick my hands up to get a bowl to vomit in. I lost contact with my body and I was out. So then I felt my hands back on the armrest and something let me know once you feel your feet, you're all the way back that my feet on them foot pedals. And so I, I connected with you when you were saying that, that feeling of coming back. Full restoration. It, it was from the top down. No, me too. You know, and I understand your uh, your your multiple events because once and you you were already there as a child. That's why it was receptive, I think. But once you've accepted the ability to open the door and speak with God, uh, He will communicate. You know, two ways, and so that may happen often to a person like you. And in, in my case, I haven't had but the one out of body experience or near near death experience. But what's happened when I share the love of Jesus with other people, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so often I'll feel it first and I'll look at their face and all of a sudden there's a change in their face. And I go, you ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit? Say, I'm feeling something right now. <laughs> so that's wonderful. And that's maybe happened a, a hundred times or so. And then I stop whatever we're doing. And I pray, I say, thank you, Lord, for uh, joining us in this conversation where we're glorifying you. The first so time I told my NDE publicly, I felt that. Oh, yes. I yeah. was like levitating all day. Like I was yes. floating. I had to go after my talk. I had to go to Walmart and buy a bicycle for my granddaughter for go to her birthday party. And I'm levitating <laughs> all day. <laughs> I was like, I was on cloud nine because when I started telling about the drowning, I'm back to hovering over that pond at five years old when I drowned. And then I'm telling about the 25 year old NDE, the ectopic pregnancy and at 25 and um, I'm in the bright white light and I'm hovering in that light in invisible me, you know? And, and so I'm back there. And so I was there, I'm there and speaking from there, telling everybody what I see, what I feel, what I hear, everything. And so I am back there. And then, so when I was done talking, I'm still there, I'm still lingering. 
<laughs> and and people were saying, I can feel the light. You know, they wanted to hug me to touch the light. I'm like, I never experienced And then it's like an addiction. Oh, I yes. want to keep telling and telling because I want the high. Yeah. I had I had two uh, people. One guy started breaking down in tears while he was crying. And uh, his other buddy, he was kind of a rough, tough guy. You know, and I love him. So hopefully he's going to watch this eventually. Uh, I won't mention his name. But he was near another guy. And this was his best friend. He'd never seen this guy cry. And so he was crying. He said, what are you crying about? He goes, and he says, Jeff, he says, it's him. And I said, no, wait, wait a minute. It's not me. I said, what you're feeling is the presence of the Holy Spirit because we were sharing the love of Jesus. And he goes, oh, my God. And he was just he was just tearful. And he says, I can't stop crying. He says, but I'm happy at the same time. And another young lady I worked with uh, was asking me questions, you know, about God. And it wasn't a challenge, you know, because she's real sweet and, and I love her dearly. Great worker. She could outwork me two to one. Uh, but we were we were talking and all of a sudden she felt it. And like you said, it goes on and it stays with 45 minutes later after she got done with this tearful thing. We had to get two people to replace us to do our job because we couldn't do it. You know, at right. that point we were in this uh, uh, euphoria, if you will. She came back 45 minutes later and hugged me. She said, what is that? I said, that's the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I was so blessed. And, and I visit churches. I'm not a member of any. I'm non-denominational Christian, I believe. I think you can believe at home or you can believe in church. So I love the fellowship of churches. But the next week, she said, guess what I did? And I thought, maybe I don't want to hear <laughs> what you did. I was a little afraid of what, what might come out. She said, I went to church and I want you to go with me next weekend. So blessed. So blessed. And I felt the presence again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I went. And then the weekend after that, her, her boyfriend comes with her. And the weekend after that, and I said, what about the rest of your family? Are they hearing about this? And she says, they're walking in the door right now. I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, so she's been on this spiritual growth. And actually, I made a, a video for my project. And you're welcome to use any part of that you'd like. But in there, my sister, being a 60-year-old smoker, did not want to do the video testimony. So she wrote the testimony. And this young lady, I was at work and I thought, Lord, how am I going to get this on video? My sister's camera shy. She didn't want to get on, she didn't like public anything and has a smoker's voice. And it was a, a girl that was 20 years old back then, not a 60 year old uh, smoker. And so the message came to me right, right there's your answer. And I was looking at this young lady again. I said, Ashley, would you do me a favor and, uh, and play the part of my sister on this video? So she was just so uh, delighted, you know, to do that. And so she's on, she's on that video. We had such a, a special moment that the Holy Spirit created. So it's just wonderful. And so I have those experiences, but I, I think that door is open. Sadly, I've uh, been on some other sites. I'm not uh, internet, internet uh, savvy, but I've been on here for a year and a half to try to share the word. And thank you for picking this up. But another lady I was speaking with said, all I saw was my feet in a coffin. Oh. And so uh, I was talking to her a little bit more and that that's how deep her faith was. She had very little faith. And so I think God in the outer body experience or the near death experience will hold up a mirror and say, this is you. This is how much faith you're giving me because we aren't there to be judged. Some people think we are. I don't think I was judged. And so that mirror, and in fact, my, uh, uh, I'm going to hold my book up, but you're welcome to edit it oh, because yeah, I'm please not done. Please do. Because uh, I'm not done with it, so I'm not promoting it yet. And I'm still working on it, a song and a poem, and I'll share that with you. Okay. But that goes to my thought, and it's uh, called uh, Mom War, which was a war of my mother and the oh. memoir. And everybody that helped me with it, because I'm not talented in this way, but the good Lord connected me with these people, said, you need to show your out-of-body experience, you know, because I talk about alcoholism and that kind of stuff. And so I was thinking, okay, John 15, I am the vine, and some other verses uh, speak about James, reflect upon yourself in the mirror. And so I thought, okay, so when we open the mirror, what do we see? And so in my case, we see the outer body experience. And so I think God holds up a mirror and says, this is you. And so whether we see God and have a few multiple or a few near-death experiences, or we see our feet in a coffin, I think he's showing us mm -hmm. not to condemn it or to judge us, but to say, here's where you are. Now he, showed, he showed me, me in a vision in my 25 year old NDE 
was in that bright white light and I was screaming because I like, okay, I got a complaint. First, I thought I was alone. And then I seen this panel of people. I seen one sitting up front of center and I, that has to be God. And I'm like, I got a complaint department. I can't stay here. I got kids to raise, you know. And then this vision opened up to my left and it was this opening of a store. His family is checking out mother, father, child, and as a little boy, and he wanted something, he wanted it right now. And the mom was, no, you can't have that. And the child's, ah. and that was God's way of showing me that's how you're acting. It's like, like yeah. a spoiled child demanding what I want, and I want it right now. And I need to calm down, act like I had some sense. So I did, <laughs> you know, but uh, that was his way of showing me this is how you're acting. Because I was mad at God. I was blaming God for my death, and I could not stay here, and I was worried about my kids. and. I was rude and disrespectful and you I know, seen that and I understood how I was acting. I calmed down because you're uh, mature spiritually. You do see these things and some people don't, they never do. You know, I, I shared with a lady the other day and uh, I've, I've shared a story a few times actually. And this is not in the Bible. This is just what I feel. But when Jesus Christ was given his life for all of us on the cross, he knew it was going to happen. He even knew who was going to do, you know, turn him in or uh, sell him out, so to speak. And God provided this opportunity so that we all may be saved of our uh, sinful ways. And so our Lord and Savior, able to heal the blind so they can see, raise the dead as Lazarus was for four days. He can do all these things because he is God in the flesh. He's hanging on the cross. He says, my God, my father, and I'm paraphrasing, why have you forsaken me? And some people say that's because he's taken on the, the, the sin of the world and the, the depth of it. And Okay, I, I understand that. But why did he say it? Because the father didn't forsake him. This was the plan all along. And Jesus Christ knew the plan, even talked about it to his disciples. So he couldn't forsake himself. So my question, is it, or could it be because he's the world's best teacher that we will ever see, ever have? Could it be that he's saying, look, hard things, tough things are going to happen to us. Bad things are going to happen to us, and I'm a good person. Bad things are going to happen to good people. And so we're going to be depressed. We're going to get in these valley lows. But as a teacher, I'm going to show you that I feel like I'm forsaken. I've lost all hope. Well, he's human. You know how we felt right before we died. You know, as you're facing right. that truck trying to save your life. And as right. I'm in the wheelchair trying to get everybody to understand there's something wrong. You know, we're fighting for our life. He's he's still part human. You know, that's right. So show us as, as a human, here's what you do. And so what happened three days later? He rose from the dead. So what I think the message was not spoken. Have faith, no matter what. Look yeah. what I've gone through. Woe was me. Why have you forsaken me? Three days later, he is risen. So I think he's trying to show us, have faith, no matter what, no matter the heartaches. And so many times I've prayed, God, I know you can't fix this. I know it's impossible. Well, guess what? He shows us yeah. what That's he right. can do. And it's amazing. That's right. So I'm so thankful for you, for your time and, and for, uh, you know, the Lord provide this and that we are we able to glorify him today. Yes. So I, I well, thank, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um,